Welcome to this podcast from Riverside Church Whitstable. We hope you find it helpful and encouraging. If you would like to find out more information about us, why not check out our website at riversideuk.org, our Facebook page, or follow us on Twitter at Whit Riverside. Hello and welcome to Riverside Online. Today I am back filming in our snug because Simon is isolating due to having COVID. So we're here together filming in preparation for Sunday. Today we begin our new series, All One. If you are on our Church Suite database, you will have received an email on Monday detailing our plans for our upcoming series. But we thought it would be a good idea to have a quick look today and a recap for those who may not have seen that email. Over the last few years, the senior leadership team and the trustees of Riverside have been committed to exploring what it would mean and what it would look like for us to be a church which celebrates and affirms every person. A church that doesn't discriminate on any level or in any way. As we've prayed and studied and reflected on our vision to be good for everyone, we have a deep sense of conviction to extend our welcoming culture to those who've not always received the same level of acceptance within the church, namely those with same-sex orientation. Often, people with same-sex orientation are welcomed into churches like ours, but are not fully affirmed, and that has been so damaging. We believe God wants to make Riverside a place where everyone is welcomed and affirmed. So starting today, we'll begin to explore what we believe the Bible says on this subject. We will look at what it means for Riverside to become a church that treats every person equally within the love of God, regardless of their sexuality. We do realise that this is a really big topic. So alongside our Sunday mornings, we will also be hosting some evening sessions on Sundays to discuss and reflect together, to ask questions and hear testimonies from people who have journeyed ahead of us. These will begin tonight at 6.30 till around 8 o'clock at Riverside. And we would encourage everyone who is able to come along and join us for these times. Tonight, Martin and Debbie Franks are going to be sharing their very personal story. So please do come along and hear them talk if you can. We believe that this is a spirit initiated process. We aren't doing this lightly or flippantly. And we're realising that for many people, this is will possibly clash with long held beliefs. You might feel wobbly as we're talking right now. You might be thrilled. You might not know what you think. All we ask is that you approach the next few weeks with open hearts and minds. Very importantly, we want to all strive to protect and celebrate our unity during this time, treating each other with love, respect and kindness, even if and when we hold differing opinions. We as a leadership team feel that our course is set as a church, but we aren't looking for everyone to just fall in line and into agreement. As we know, this has always been a difficult topic for churches to even talk about. In truth, we all hold many different opinions about God and about what we believe the Bible says on different topics. But on the whole, these differing opinions don't have the effect of excluding a people group from being treated equally in God's love. And it's this that we want to address over the coming weeks. So in this next season, we're asking for unity, not uniformity. We can all hold different opinions and different perspectives, but continue to unite ourselves in Christ's love for all people. 
and this should always be our goal. Well, hello, as Keely just mentioned, um, I'm filming from home. Um, you can probably hear my voice a bit croaky. Uh, I got diagnosed with COVID. I'm filming this on the Thursday. Um, had COVID for a couple of days. So hopefully by the time you hear this on Sunday, I'll be well on the way to recovery. But I do have a glass of water down here. Uh, I'm a bit, a bit croaky, a bit coffee, so you have to excuse me. But I really wanted to um, be able to speak uh, on this first uh, talk in our new series, All One. Um, something I'm, I'm really passionate about, Kitty's already mentioned, just, just the heart we have with this series. And uh, so hopefully I'll convey that through a screen to you today. I'm sorry I can't be with you, with you in person, but um, hopefully the message will still come across. I wanted to start by looking at the logo we've used for this series. I've cheekily used a picture um, from the Everyone is Awesome Lego set. This set was designed by a guy called Matthew Ashton, and he's worked for Lego for some 20 years. He's the vice president of design there. And on the Lego website, he talks about why he designed this Everyone is Awesome set. What was he trying to do when he actually designed and brought this set out to be bought? And he says this. He said, I grew up in the 80s and was obviously a gay kid. There was a lot of neg negativity back then around being gay. It was right in the middle of the AIDS crisis. When I was a young teen, and that was incredibly daunting and scary. Being quite an effeminate kid, I was constantly told by different adults around me what I should and shouldn't play with, that I needed to behave like a real boy and to toughen up. I was dissuaded from doing many things that came almost naturally to me, and I think many of the adults around me were doing all of this to try to protect me from getting bullied. But I was actually fine with all the kids at school. All of this has had an impact on me in many ways. It was really exhausting and kicked my confidence. And he says this about the Everyone is Awesome Lego set. He says, if I'd been given this set by somebody at, the, at that point in my life, it would have been such a relief to know that somebody had my back. To know that I had somebody there to say, I love you, I believe in you, I'll always be there for you. So I think by taking small steps and having products like Everyone is Awesome out there and people representing the LGBTQ community, it allows everyone to see that things do get better over time and there is a place for everybody. And powerful words there from Mike, who's managed to use his position to do something positive and produce a toy that's really sending a positive message to children and adults alike. And I think Mike's Lego set is a, is a powerful way to convey the broad diversity within humanity in a positive way. And, and his message is everyone has a right to be accepted and everyone has a right to be loved. Now, from a very modern picture of Lego to a very old picture. I want to go back, back in time, back into the 1950s and show you a picture of what Riverside looked like back in 1953. And this is Riverside or Tankton Evangelical Church as it was known then. This picture was taken as I say 1953. And can anybody maybe in the room remember the room at Tankton being like this? This was taken in the building that used to stand in Northwood Road and this is where the church met from around 1933 right up until 2016 before we moved into our new facility uh, across the road in Riverside. I want to draw your attention today to the words above the pulpit in this picture. They say, all one in Christ Jesus. And this is taken from a verse in the Bible, from a letter that Paul wrote to the church in Galatia. <clears throat> he said these words in the letter. Excuse me, I'll just take a quick drink before I start coughing. 
he said these words in Galatians 3, 28. There's neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. I was chatting to someone who actually remembers this sign in its various forms over the years, and they said that uh, TEC, as it was known then, had a vision to unite people, had a vision to unite the church in the town, had a vision to be a place that wasn't in any way partisan, in any way divisive. And I think the church has had a successful history in doing that. I, I know many people who've been to TS, TEC and talk about the unity that was present there. And I think the church managed over decades to encourage unity within the town of Whitstable. When Paul wrote these words some 2,000 years earlier to a church in Galatia, he was already addressing divisions and boundaries that were springing up in the early church. The church wasn't even a few decades old and already divisions and boundaries were springing up and people were deciding who was in and who was out. And Paul seeks to address this topic by writing to the church there. And he says that in Jesus actually all are accepted, all are equal, no one person has an advantage over another person as far as God's love is concerned, regardless of their status, their ethnicity, or their gender. And I think what Paul writes here is really, really important, because I think it's human nature to grade people. It's human nature to make judgments on one another. It's human nature to decide maybe who is in and who is out. And we might use all sorts of internal metrics to do that. We might look at people through the lens of their status or their gender or their ethnicity or even their sexuality. We might feel, particularly as Christians, that maybe we're more acceptable to God than the person we're looking at. Maybe God looks upon us more favourably because of these things rather than a person we're comparing ourselves with. Maybe we think that we're closer to God's ideal Maybe we think we're closer to God's standard. And whether or not we're aware of it, we all tend to carry these internal metrics, these internal judgments, whether consciously or subconsciously. We, we constantly compare and measure ourselves against other people. That's what's happening in the early church in Galatia. People were making judgments. And in Paul's day, Jews could look down on Gentiles. Non-Jews, that's what the word means. Gentiles are non-Jews. So a Jew could say, well... You haven't got any of the history or the legacy or the tradition uh, that I've got. So therefore, you're somehow inferior in God's sight to me. Those who were free, those who walked in freedom could look down upon those who were in slavery. Those who were employed in slavery or were working off debt in slavery. They could say, well, I've had my freedom. You're a slave. So that I instantly will look down on you. I'll make a judgment that I'm somehow better than you are. And this last one that Paul addresses won't come surprise to any woman listening to this, men could look down on women simply for not being men. And that's been present throughout history and is still present somewhat in our culture today. But Paul says, in Jesus, all that grading, all that comparing of who's acceptable and who's in and who's out has to stop. Jesus has come and he's levelled the playing field. No one has any kind of advantage over anyone else when it comes to being accepted and loved by God through Christ Jesus. Jesus makes everyone one. He brings everyone to the same level before God. And it's through his grace and his love that we can come into relationship with the Father. It's always been human nature, I think, to grade 
and compare ourselves with each other. It's human nature to try and define and put boundaries and say who's in and who's out, who's acceptable and who isn't. We have to look at the recent events around Brexit and the COVID vaccine to see how easily we decide and then we divide based upon the different opinions that we hold on, on who we think is right and wrong. And church leaders often spend a lot of time speaking, often quite dogmatically and with great authority from the Old Testament and from Paul's writings. And they often do this without paying much attention, I think, to the life and the model that Jesus gave us in the Gospels. And we quickly, often even in the Creed, jump from Jesus' birth to the cross without recognising and focusing on those 30 years where he lived amongst us and modelled what God looked like. He said, anyone who's seen me has seen the Father. And he gave us a living model of God's love. And Jesus spent those 30 years announcing and proclaiming the kingdom of God. He said, the kingdom of God is near. The kingdom of God has come among you. And he demonstrated what the kingdom looked like by the way he treated people and by the way he taught people. And as I was preparing this talk today, I was drawn to a passage where Jesus was describing the kingdom of God as using the imagery of growth, uh, an organic image. So I want to read the words from Mark's Gospel, where Jesus talks about the kingdom. He says this, Again he said, What shall we say the kingdom of God is like? Or what parable shall we use to describe it? It is like a mustard seed, which is the smallest of all seeds on earth. Yet when planted, it grows and becomes the largest of all garden plants with such big branches that the birds can perch in its shade. And that's from Mark's Gospel, chapter 4. Now, if you Google what a mustard tree looks like, you'll get lots of pictures of trees that aren't clearly mustard trees. And I think they've been labelled as such, because I think many leaders, maybe, and preachers have, have gone looking for pictures of this tree uh, uh, to do a talk on a, on a Sunday or a preach, and they've come up with a picture of a tree and it's been labelled as a mustard tree and that kind of myth has been propagated. Lots of trees that aren't mustard trees are clearly out there on the internet. And I think it's because when preachers speak on this, they want to find a nice grand tree. Uh, they want to find something that's big and substantial um, to demonstrate Jesus' use of this to describe the kingdom. But Jesus doesn't in fact describe a tree. He describes a plant a plant actually that becomes like a tree. The sort of plant Jesus was most likely referring to actually doesn't look very impressive. It's this plant here, it's the Brassica nigra, it's the black mustard plant. And uh, it's so known because its seeds are black and they're ground uh, to make mustard and spices. And it's quite an average looking plant, I think you'll agree. So why did Jesus choose this plant to describe the nature of the kingdom of God. Why didn't he choose a large tree, a large and expansive tree? This humble mustard plant actually grows to maybe a maximum height around nine feet tall. So not even a particularly big or tall tree. Hardly that impressive. Why did Jesus use this to describe the kingdom of God? Well, I think the mustard tree represents two aspects of the kingdom that Jesus was trying to convey to his listeners that day. The first is that the kingdom of God is in fact extensive, extensive. A number of years ago, I felt God give me a picture of the sort of church that he wanted me to be part of. 
It was a picture of a rug, like a large rug you'd have, uh, a pattern rug you'd maybe have in a, in a large home in front of the fire or, or in a, in a, maybe in a dining room. And it was, um, it, was a, it was a pattern rug, but it was different because normally those rugs have a stitched bounded edge. And that's how they're finished. They're, they're, they're sort of stitched and bound. There's like, almost like a cord that runs around the outside of the rug. But in this picture that God gave me, the rug wasn't finished. It was, in fact, the edges of the rug were quite messy. There were all these different strands of colour and different lengths. It was almost like raggedy round the edge. And um, all these threads were kind of poking out. And I was saying, God, what, what does this picture mean? And I felt the Lord say this was the kind of interface that the Lord wanted between the world and his church. He didn't want a, a hard bounded sort of stitched edge. He wanted all these different fronds that could reach and touch people in different ways, different lengths, different colours. And this is the sort of church that he was encouraging me into. Not a hard border, but all these different strands of accessibility. When I looked at this picture of the mustard tree, I was reminded of those words that God spoke to me. This plant isn't tidy. It's, it's rangy. It's, it's messy. It grows as wide as it does tall. In fact, it grows wider. It, it, it grows wide rather than tall. And it grows vigorously. And I think Jesus chose this plant because it's a picture of the organic growth of the kingdom. The kingdom extends in an organic way. And in kind of a messy way. He doesn't, he doesn't maybe extend in the way or look a pretty way. He, it, it sort of sends out shoots and branches in every direction. And I think the second reason Jesus chose this plant is that it is, in fact, invasive. Jews at Jesus' time, they wouldn't plant this plant in a garden because if they did, it would take over. And we've all had experience maybe of plants like that that have come into our garden. Suddenly, they've self-seeded and they've started to take over. And certain garden plants, you probably wouldn't go near because they, they just dominate once they get established. <clears throat> and so... For Jesus to say, this is a plant in the garden, or will actually end up in the garden, this was quite a provocative statement for the Jews who listened to him. They would maybe plant this plant in a field uh, and, and harvest its, its um, seeds from there, but they wouldn't plant it in the garden because it would just become too invasive. It would just take over and just, and just extend into every part of the garden. So by Jesus saying this becomes the largest of all garden plants, it would have certainly caused them to have some consternation because they thought, well, actually, I wouldn't want that plant in my garden. It's, it's far too invasive. Notice Jesus doesn't say it's planted there. It just ends up there. It becomes something that touches and extends into every corner, even maybe the well-ordered Jewish garden. These mustard plants are so good at establishing themselves. Wherever the seeds drop, they will germinate and they will grow, and another mustard plant will spring up. And if you're a Jew and you found a mustard plant growing in your garden, you probably want to root it out quickly because you knew if you didn't, it would sell seed and grow and propagate and start to take over your well-ordered garden. And so the plant that Jesus uses to describe the kingdom, he says actually provides shelter for many, but also in some way it upsets the order of things. It upsets the establishment it's extensive and it's invasive by nature. And that might be too much for a well-ordered Jewish garden as they listened to this story. And he said, this is what the kingdom of God is like. It's extensive and it's invasive. It basically grows wide rather than tall and basically it gets into places and starts to propagate and reproduce. And you think about it, it's a really powerful image of the kingdom. 
the way that the kingdom of God has extended through people, person to person, propagating, extending, even to the hardest places on the earth that are believers in Jesus Christ. And when we think about the kingdom in this way, it challenges us, doesn't it? It challenges us and it transforms us because we can't have to run to keep up with the extensive and invasive nature of the kingdom of God. And this is what the church has had to do for nearly 2,000 years. The kingdom of God just simply won't stop growing. And God's love extends and spreads over the face of the whole earth. You might look at that humble mustard plant and think, well, how on earth can a bird rest in those flimsy twig-like branches? And the people who heard Jesus' illustration might have thought the same when they first heard him describe the kingdom of God is like, becomes like a tree. So, well, I haven't seen a mustard plant that becomes like a tree. But Jesus, I think, wanted to use an authentic, natural plant they were familiar with to describe a supernatural happening. In God's kingdom, the mustard seed, the small beginning of Jesus' life and love, would grow from something small and humble to become something that would actually bring shelter and, and, be, and be strong enough and broad enough to encompass many. It's going to be wide enough, it's going to be big enough, it's going to be strong enough to shelter and bring shade for everyone. And through Jesus' eyes, even the humble mustard plant, seen through the eyes of the kingdom, could be a place where birds could come and shelter and find their home. And so for me, as I thought about this passage and I thought about the expansive nature of the kingdom, it helped me sort of rethink again. You know, Jesus spent so much time talking about the kingdom of God. And often we we just focus in maybe on some of the... um, on some of the, the, the sort of the passage in, in the epistles, which Paul kind of lays down different things in church. But actually, he said, I've resolved to know nothing but Jesus Christ and him crucified. I've resolved to, to lean into him. And as we look for a, a picture for the church, as we look for a steer for the church, I think we have to look again to the nature of the kingdom of God. And Jesus said, it is like this mustard plant that is, it can be annoying because it's so, it's so, extensive and it's so invasive and yet it provides shelter for everyone it provides shade for everyone over the next two sundays our friend dr steve bernhope will be coming to speak at riverside and he'll be exploring what the bible says about same-sex relationships steve and his wife lynn were the senior pastors of alsby vineyard before retiring from that role in september 2020 Steve has got a master's degree in biblical interpretation with a distinction from the London School of Theology and he also has a PhD in systematic theology from King's College London. And Lynn has also studied at the London School of Theology and has got a Bachelor of Theology degree in Christian Life and Ministry and a master's degree in biblical interpretation. And she's currently a PhD candidate in theology at Queen's Foundation Birmingham and View University in Amsterdam. And Lynn is also a qualified teacher of religious studies, philosophy and ethics. Two very, very qualified and lovely people. And they're graciously giving us uh, their time um, to come and spend two Sundays with us, two Sundays mornings and two Sunday evenings to look and explore the Bible together. They want to help us to approach the Bible again with great value and great respect, but also explore these passages that historically have been used to discriminate against people with same-sex attraction.
Now, I'd really encourage you to make these next two Sundays to come along and, uh, and hear what Steve has to say and, and meet them both and, and enter those uh, times on Sunday evenings to discuss and reflect and ask, maybe ask questions that you have. These guys are both hugely respected theologians and uh, they're going to give vital insights to us, which will be really invaluable as we make this journey in our series. Well, guys, my voice is just about to go, so I'm going to bring this into a close. In a moment, we'll be taking communion uh, together. But before we do, let's just take a moment to reflect on what we've looked at today. Both Jesus and Paul give us key insights into the nature of the love of God. It's a love that spreads and encompasses. It's a love that affirms and accepts. And it's a love that challenges us to grow, to keep pace with it as it extends over the face of the whole earth. The communion we're about to share is a symbol of the love of God. It's a symbol of Jesus laying down his life so that all could be one in him. And as Paul writes, no Jew, no Gentile, no slave or free, no male or female, no segregation or division within the love of God. No one has an advantage because we all come together in Christ, to receive God's love. I don't know how you're feeling about this series. I would love to have been there with you today in person. And I also don't know about what you feel about this vision and direction we've outlined uh, for Riverside. You might be excited. You might be indifferent. You might be frustrated. You might be angry. You might be confused. You might be scared. You might have a whole range of emotions going on inside this morning. And it's okay to have any of those feelings. All I would ask you to do as you take communion this morning is to be honest with God about where you're at and what you're feeling. Bring all those things to him. Ask him to speak to you. Ask him to reveal this expansive and extensive love to you again this morning through Jesus. So I would say, come Holy Spirit as we take communion together. Thank you for listening. If you'd like to contact us about this talk, to hear more or to find out about Riverside Church Whitstable, then visit our website at riversideuk.org. Also, you can contact us through our Facebook page or tweet us at Whit Riverside. <laughs>